When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, tonight we're debating whether or not there is evidence for ghosts and we are starting right now with Troubling Tribune's opening statement. Thanks so much for being with us. Troubling Tribune, the floor is all yours. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'd just like to say that uh, as far as the, this debate topic goes, I'm very, very excited for it. I feel like I had a, a pretty easy one because I do feel that most people do believe in ghosts, but I'm going to try not to rely on that too much. Um, as far as proving they exist, I'm going to go ahead and uh, keep it short, sweet, right to the point. Um, let's go ahead and establish a basic premise, a definition, if you will. Um, I'm going to go ahead and have spirit defined as an entity that exists mostly outside of the obvious uh, senses of human perception. Um, I don't think there's any disagreement on that. Um, so let me just go ahead and go on. I'll start with the basics um, with the spirit most people believe that spirits are the souls um, of those who have passed on or residual emotion, um, energy, electrostatic or electromagnetic. Um, I'm honestly not even going to attempt to go into each of those individual things because when you look at all the research that's being done, it seems that all of these things are results of spiritual activity and maybe not necessarily the spirit themselves. Um, but I digress. As far as establishing, establishing that premise that humans do in fact have a soul or some sort of consciousness that exists outside of the mind, I think that we only need to look as far as the CIA manuals on remote viewing and Project Gateway, which I do have some links in here um, that we can go over. I'm trying not to screen share too much for video quality. Um, but if you look at the research that was done by our very own government, you'll see that we have known for quite some time that we can extend our human perception outside of our body. Um, on top of that, you have uh, countless anecdotal evidence on this, as well as uh, just about every single religion and belief in the entire world has some sort of belief um, in the existence of the soul, um, of spirits, and um of all kinds of entity of that matter. Um, so um, as far as to narrow it down even further, um, we do see that spirits seem to resemble humans. Um, now you can, again, debate whether they are actually from humans or not all you want. I merely want to stick with the fact that they do merely exist in the phenomenon. So let me go ahead and try to pull, uh, pull up some of the some of the basic evidence. This website that I have pulled up is uh, simply the best ghost pictures ever taken. 
uh, at liveabout.com. Um, the reason why these are the best is that a lot of these have actually been scrutinized um, by paranormal and uh, by just regular investigators um, to test their authenticity. And this website does uh, clarify when they have a picture that has been debunked, but the picture is in here uh, that they're not that the disclaimer has been scrutinized and uh, they seem to pass the test of authenticity. So this first picture was taken um, back in the uh, back in the I'll just go ahead and read it here for you guys. Portrait of the Brown Lady is the, arguably the most famous and well-regarded ghost photograph ever taken. The ghost is thought to be the Lady Dorothy of Townsend, wife of Charles. Uh, they obviously build a lot around the story. Uh, England in the early 1700s, it was rumored that Dorothy and her marriage, let me go on here, so I really want to get to this, we're in the picture way. Okay. Early 1800s. Seen again, standing 1835 by Colin Lovejust, who was visiting Christmas. Sorry again. Sorry, I'm looking for when the famous photo was taken. This famous photo, there we go, was taken in September of 1936 by Captain Provand and Indri Shira. The two photographs were assigned to um, the Country Life magazine. And it basically goes through the account of the story. The interesting thing is about this is that when you actually zoom in, let me see if I can even do that here. Did that zoom in for you guys? Perfect. So if you look in, at the staircase here, you'll see there's an obvious apparition. Um, it is pretty hard to make out a sort of face, but you can see that there's clearly something there, humanoid. Um, and this was in a time when, you know, this was before cell phones, before it was very easy to edit photographs. Um, the ways that photographs were typically altered are pretty easy to detect. And again, all of these photos that I'm about to go through have actually been um, scrutinized. So let me go ahead and move on down here. This one's probably my favorite. This one, uh, Lord Combermere. And the reason why this is my favorite is because you can actually see a face with this picture here. Uh, this was taken... Um, in 1891, so it's actually an even older photograph by Sybil Corbett. Um, it is believed, of course, that the man uh, sitting in the chair uh, was the previous lord of the castle. Um, let me go down here. Let me see if I can get into where they actually. There's not too much on this one. Somebody said that has investigated it. This was well, and the main thing I want to point out with these uh, photographs is that the um, spirits or the entities in question definitely appear to be uh, human or humanoid, or they were once human. This one was taken in 1919. A lot of these ghost photographs were taken in the early 1900s. Um, the story of this was that this man was actually killed by a propeller um, a few days prior. So and that's the other interesting thing about this is that if, you know, when we're talking about um, random defects and um, light effects, it's one thing to say the pictures are fake, which, of course, I'd like to see some evidence if, if that is the claim. Um, but um, when we're talking about uh, if they're, you know, possibly just mess ups with the camera, I mean, we're talking about very, very clear images 
um, in some cases here. So that kind of takes that out of the equation. Um, next, I'd like to move on to the actual video portion. I know this is kind of like the, the main thing that people wanted to see because you can argue uh, spirits philosophically all day long. Um, people want to see actual physical evidence. So let me go ahead and try to pull this up for you guys. How is that? Were you guys able to catch that? Uh, I think it must have been something to see. Uh, yeah, it looks like I could see that it looks like there's a shadow in the back. So that, and then it comes to this weird uh, clip of a man in a woman's bedroom. I don't know what's going right, on there. So I'm about to play this clip. Um, this clip was probably one of the most... Uh, one of the most obvious hauntings um, opponents will say that they're moving, that they can be moving these things with strings. But if that is the case, um, notice how the people in the video aren't dancing around the strings. Gotcha. We're about at that opening time length as it's been a, about 15 minutes. This might be a good chance to kick it over to Jen for her opening as well. All right. So I noticed my time was probably coming up here soon. <laughs> um, mm. You got it. Well, we are going to switch it over to Jen for opening as well. Thanks so much, Troubling Tribune, for that opening. Jen, thanks so much for being with us. The floor is all yours for your opening as well. And switching over to the screen share, we're ready for you right now. We can't hear you, just in case you're already speaking. 
unmute there. Thanks for having me on Modern Day Debate. James, great to be here. Thanks for participating in the debate. Troubling Tribune, nice to meet you. Looking forward to the talk. I'm going to proceed into my slideshow. Is there evidence for ghosts? I will be taking the skeptical position. Overview, who am I? What's the history of ghosts and the etymology of the word ghost? Then I'll speculate as to the evidentiary burden for establishing a ghost. Hi, nice to meet you. Those of you who haven't met yet, I'm Jen Sharf. I have a BSc Honors in Physics Math from Ottawa U. I have uh, over seven years of experience working in an audio video analysis lab. Ten years experience as a classroom stenographer and a lifelong life passion for uh, consciousness studies, logic, persuasion, and teaching. So without further ado, I will jump on into the history of the term ghost. Actually, quite fascinating to see how it ties in going on 2,000 years of history. So to get uh, into the conversation, we have to look at the German history of the term which derives from Geist, which actually has several connected terms. So they're not exactly equivalent because language is subject to evolution. So the concept of a ghost has an interesting history that goes back to pre-Christian Germanic and Saxon folklore. Germanic tribes had a rich folklore of associated stories, although the precise meaning of the term is uncertain due to cultural evolution. Today, anthropologists understand ghost stories as having arisen as a method to instill morals in children and help understand unexplainable phenomena, such as with Grimm's fairy tales. The enduring salience of ghost stories can be seen all the way till today in Halloween, custom of children collecting candies from neighbors with the thinly veiled threat of trick-or-treat, and the super popular horror genre. But that's only half the story. Christian history of ghosts is, if not more informative than just as interesting to convert German tribes, the Bible translated the common German idea of Geist into the central Christian tenet of the Holy Spirit. In 1611, the King James Bible uses the English Holy Ghost to refer to the Holy Spirit. And by 1800, with the assimilation of Latin into English and German, most Bibles return to the expression of Holy Spirit. So we see this Trinitarian concept is centrally important in the history of ghosts. So I thought I'd make this diagram. And I'm sorry if it's not quite clear, but we have two very similar diagrams. One references that as the Holy Ghost, the other as the Holy Spirit. You can see there's a slightly different artistic style, so that's super interesting. I'm not really doing this topic justice. Uh, my streaming partner, Juven, and I just thought it would be interesting to go into the history of it because uh, we had a chance to have this debate that I think is pretty unusual chance. I, I tried to actually find other debates to like compare 
the arguments and what I should use for a strategy. And I really couldn't find much. So that, that was, I guess, good to have the door be so open. Anyway, yada, yada, yada. The rise of scientific materialism and uh, rationalism led to the decline of Christian culture in the West. And what was previously interpreted as spiritual phenomena is now understood to be better explained by science. As such, ghosts are believed to be unscientific. So here's my argument against ghosts, or basically my burden-shifting attempt. If we're looking for empirical evidence of ghosts, so it has to be reliable. And reliability, at least as we understand it, necessitates a measurement device. And what we understand as measurement devices are calibrated using a materialist ontology. Okay, well, what's that? Well, you're, I mean, those of you already know, we probably would not like want to actually even ask that question, but it really boils down to math, glance, the interpretation of measurements by kind of presuming some type of local realism, AKA, yeah, it's actually reasonable to assume that numbers are appropriate things to associate with measurements. Next argument, next part of the argument, materialist ontology precludes a non-incidental observation of paranormal events. So even though you could argue my ideology of panpsychism in some sense predicts ghosts, I don't think it's possible definitionally to get empirical evidence of ghosts for something along the same lines as why you probably can't get empirical evidence for something like ether or something like a circle because it's not of the class of things that empirical evidence exists for. So I guess I don't believe my opponent will be able to meet the evidentiary threshold to sway the balance of probabilities in the direction of ghosts. I mean, unfortunately, I don't think that that's anywhere near having happened in the intro. I just thought I was Unfortunately, couldn't even watch part of the video because it was happening like it was so shaky that I was like getting motion sickness. So I had to look away. Like if it was me presenting some type of argument for ghosts, I'd be kind of trying to like put sequential frames to say like, look, this is really the best part of the video to show the evidence. So I didn't see that. I saw, you know, a guy and a girl and who knows if they're just acting out to get attention. I mean, God forbid, I don't think they are, but I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but that's just not in line with a tradition of skepticism. So what's this turning on evidence-wise? I usually like to lead with the strongest piece of evidence that I'm not even sure what that would be but I'm hoping that during the open conversation, we get a chance to go into that. I don't know how much time I've been talking here for, James. So I've been talking for two minutes. Okay, but I, so I've been talking for eight minutes. Because if I've, I just want to know if I can stop, wrap it up soon, because this was about as much as I planned. Awesome. You got it. So and with that, we can go right into it.
You got it. We'll jump right into open dialogue. So thanks very much for your questions, folks. If you happen to have any questions, you can feel free to fire them into the old live chat. If you tag me with at Modern Day Debate, that's one way to submit a question. Otherwise, you can also submit a question via Super Chat as those are at the top of the list in terms of the ones we read through first. With that, thank you very much. And with that, the floor is all yours. All righty. Um, so it's just to kind of address... It's uh, it's so loud on your mic. If you're able to just again, maybe just pull it away from your face a little bit, just because it it kind of tops out. I can't get it any further away. That should do the trick right there. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I do apologize once again for my poor quality. I had to make some last minute changes. My main platform is TikTok. So most of the stuff that I do is on my phone. I'm just using a Chromebook here. So I appreciate you all bearing with me. Um, with that being said, to go into some of the arguments uh, that Jen presented. Um, now, I would ag actually agree with her as far as the empirical um, putting an actual number to it. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I would say that uh, modern technology probably isn't quite there yet. Um, now, we can uh, experience some predictable um, how would you call it? A predictable model, if you will, in that when we experience or when we expect a place to be haunted or to have paranormal activity, when we take certain equipment um, like temperature readers, uh, EMS readers, um, cameras with multiple spectrums, you'll see that we do come up um, with quite a bit of evidence for their existence. Um, now, I would remind everybody that existing is actually a pretty loose term. Uh, regardless of if we would like to argue that spirits exist in physical reality or in the mind of the individual or mass hysteria, if you will, um, because of the definitions, you can't argue that they exist because it exists inside the mind. Um, but I digress. When you're able to capture um, photographs, videos, and mind you, I wasn't even able to go into all of the evidence that I had. But if you do a simple Google search, you'll see there's hundreds, if not thousands of videos and photographic evidence. And sure, I'm sure some of them are faked for attention. But to go in there and blanket term and say that every single one has to be fake because some of them are fake is absolutely fallacious. And furthermore, to say that because right now, currently, we can't empirically provide um, data and measurements um, to really understand what a spirit is, that in no way takes away from the fact that they do exist. A prime example of something like this would be simple concepts like um, the idea of yesterday. I believe we went into this a little bit yesterday, uh, Jen, but we all know, we have all experienced that yesterday did in fact occur. It does indeed exist. However, if you were to uh, devise a scientific experiment with a movable variable, um, get it peer reviewed and all these hoops that require something to be empirical and scientific, um, you'll find that you would not be able to do that. And there are several things like that. So I actually do agree that as of right now, empirically, it cannot be said uh, scientifically. But again, um, science is premedicated on uh, materialism and that everything actually can be physically touched and physically measured. And it's very possible that not everything is like that. So possibly we could be talking about some kind of non-physical evidence. And that's why I was trying Define to... Define non 
I, I would define non-physical just so I know what you're. Well, you said we're not going to necessarily get physical evidence. So definitionally, okay. we're looking for non-physical evidence. I actually accept that some non-physical evidence could potentially be valid. So Actually, I, I think there was a bit of a misunderstanding. I, I said empirical as in um, like measurable, we can put a number to it and start messing with the variables of it to really test the cause and effect relationship. Um Again, I was merely saying that we can't do that with spirits, uh, but that is not to say that there is not physical evidence of them existing. I think um, I think that uh, the video and photographic evidence uh, presented is some physical evidence. I guess I would be interested to know which part of it would be physical evidence. Like I looked up some videos and I, I ha they had a, a machine that was, I guess it was, they were asking it questions and it was putting a little blip on the screen. Right. In an, in well, not answer. even necessarily. I mean, you can, we can refer to that. Um, you know, they do pick up differences in electromagnetic fields and some of them though, of course are completely fake. You know, I was very careful about not mentioning uh, certain uh, ghost tracking apps and whatnot, because it is very possible that they can just go into your phone AI and have it generate a conversation with you to make you think that you're conversating with the spirit. Um, but what I do think is cool is when we have scenarios where we have different types of equipment, for example, a temperature reader that's picking up a dip in temperature at the same time as an electromagnetic um, an EMS going off at the same time as something weird and unexplainable happening. Does that make sense? Sure. I guess we might differ as to a definition of what that means, something unusual, because people acting weird for attention, to me, that's pretty normal, and that's basically what I expect with my whole skepticism vibe. But I agree with you with what you said about existence being hard to define, and that mental existence is not actually an argument against existence. So I guess... We could say that even if we're going to give the benefit of the doubt to the ghost detectors, it could actually just be your own mind triggering it. Because what if that detector is registering the electromagnetic from your thought process and you're thinking maybe it'll do it and it just does it. So that's I'm not saying that that's what's happening, but theoretically, there's awesome. no way to that's the that mentalism problem is that the origin of the causal breach, so to speak, or the relationship is not something that you can isolate due to all of the measurements being resulting from a measurement device that you're fundamentally making assumptions about the measurement device. And it sounds like you've made some assumptions about the recording devices for these ghosts that maybe aren't justified. Because this is actually the field that I used to work in, like interpreting video evidence, and you have to be so careful with just stuff like chain of custody. And I'm not saying they're all artifacting effects, but like in your introduction, what you were scrolling through that article, it did seem like one of them, the kernel, it kind of seemed like it was a mirror effect, uh, almost like a hologram. So... I would ask yeah. you how, um, and I might just be completely ignorant on that particular subject, but I would ask you how um, exactly they would have faked that back in the 1800s. How can you fake it 
lens effect? Well, you just have to generate a hologram using lenses. So you can look that up in an optics textbook from physics. It's something that is hard to do and it doesn't always work. But if you set up a series of correct uh, lenses, correctly arrayed lenses, you can generate a hologram. So basically... I'm sorry. I just want to make sure I understand. So basically what you're saying is that using nothing more than 1800s equipment, uh, you can arrange the glass uh, or mirror in a certain way that makes it appear that there's a, a person. Conceivably, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm saying that let's say I'm trying to steel man that position. I would be coming with a barrage of evidence to make it that in every direction you turned, there was some new evidence, piece of evidence coming like pew, 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 coming in like, you know, the, some incredibly powerful weapon. Whereas this is just like, I have to strain just to see what the evidence even is. And it's all shaky and it's not the original source. It's somebody, somebody making a, a video with the original source. That's all shaky. And so that tells me, well, it sounds, it's a little bit, it comes across as obscurantism. And if you're trying to make a point, don't you kind of want to be super clear as to what the point it is that you're actually saying and remove that emotional element? That's why I would say it doesn't meet that burden, even the lowest evidentiary burden, which I don't know if you want to talk about that, uh, what it means for something to exist, balance of probabilities at all, but I don't even think it rises to that point, but right back. Sure. I mean, I definitely would disagree with you on that point um, simply because, or at least the balance of the probabilities uh, simply because um, we're talking about something that 80% of Americans claim to have personally experienced. Um, and I know that you could make the argument for mass hysteria, but again, I don't think that it matters. <laughs> I'm not making uh, the assertion, the cause specifically as to what causes the spirit, uh, spiritual phenomena or what we perceive as a spiritual phenomena. I don't think that that matters in the least bit. Um, but again, we're talking about something that most people have experienced. Um, I think it was, I'm trying to remember the exact uh, statistics. I can't pull up anything anymore because <laughs> I don't want it to ruin the quality. Um, but it was a majority of people um, had reported some sort of experience and a slightly smaller, uh, you probably have them up for me that you could tell me, um, but a smaller percentage of people actually have something that has personally happened. Um, now, as far as establishing the premise for a spirit could be the uh, passed on soul of another person, um, we really only, again, need to look at the fact that the, our own government has actually studied um, out-of-body phenomena and has determined that it is a thing, it is possible. Um, and so really, we just need to make the extra step that once the body dies, that's still possible. And with as much, um, as much anecdotal evidence as there is on near-death experience and what happens with that and their striking similarities, I think that it's a pretty safe bet. Well, in a lot of ways, I agree, but I don't know how a near-death experience, can you talk a little more about how we go from near-death experience to sure. ghosts? So, yeah, absolutely. So a ghost essentially is a person existing outside of their body, right? So in near-death experiences... I'm actually not sure if I would accept that definition. I think it goes a little bit farther than that. Um, but sure, that's acceptable. That's a definition, right? It's an acceptable definition. 
Sure. Um, and again, I know that I'm kind of going back and forth because I, 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 you can go either way with it. It can be something that we're mentally generating. Um, but it like, can be if, does that, that mean if somebody like, sorry to interrupt you, but like, does that mean hypothetically if somebody does astral projection that they're a ghost, if they're leaving their body to do astral projection, are they a ghost in that time? Yep. Or do you have, does your body have to die before you're a ghost? I think that's a matter of opinion, right? Um, but I really, I think that the effects are exactly the same. I think that you can act, and I know that I'm kind of going off in Wooville here because, <laughs> um, you know, we're talking about the stuff that I couldn't exactly present the evidence to you guys for, but astral projection is a real thing, according to the United States government. Um, you can actually, like, leave your body um, by, you know, doing conscious exercise exercises. And uh, with that being said, um, it's actually something that I have personally experienced as well. And I never want to rely on personal, you know, experience for my evidence, but it's just a fact of the matter. Um, so with that being said, um, you asked, you know, would that be the same thing, uh, astral projection and a ghost? And I would say it is. I would say that there would basically be no difference. I guess I would chalk up something like astral projection to a non-localized consciousness effect, whereas a ghost is sort of more than that. It's almost like you need a haunting for there to be a ghost. Well, but it's okay. If I it would say. I would sort of say seems like we're. It seems like a bit of a shifting of the burden of proof. So we're not establishing ghosts anymore. We're establishing non-local consciousness, and maybe that is somehow connected to ghosts, but it's still not really clear. Well, let me ask you, uh, what would be the difference between uh, effectively a ghost and non-local perception? Well, my understanding in my framework, I don't really have a concept of a ghost. So, so it could effectively be that. Well, I mean, what you said before about it doesn't matter if it's mass hysteria because if people believe it, then it's true. It just seems like by that logic, Harry Potter would also exist. Um, In the figments of the mind, right? We're, we're actually part of this debate is narrowing it down again, back to like the physical, right? Because existing, and that's why I said it makes no point to argue if they exist or not, because no matter which definition you use, they do exist. The fact that we think about them means that they exist. So it would be more productive to talk about, do they physically exist? And what I mean by that is, do they cause physical, um, do they cause physical things to happen? Right. They themselves may not be physical, but they can cause physical things to happen. And that's good enough for the purposes of this debate. Um, with the, uh, again, if you look into non-local perception and, all that stuff, you can start to pinpoint like what might be causing this phenomena. But again, I really don't think it matters. The fact is that there is phenomena that we experience and that people uh, experience in the real world that doesn't fit the regular everyday. And there is always some, I won't say always, but a lot of times there is some really, really crazy coincidences that happen with this sort of stuff. Um, for example, on your, the little random devices that give the words or the white noise, sometimes they'll even say the name of a dead person or a person who has passed in that area, which seems to me that if it was just something random, uh, that it wouldn't, uh, that that wouldn't happen very often. If ever, um, you would have to push it into the, well, that has to be faked. And if you're going to say that it's faked, you're going to have to provide evidence that it is. 
Um, otherwise, the level of evidence that I'm presenting should be enough for anybody who, you know, at least believes in the ball or earth to be able to accept it, right? No, I think you can derive ball earth using very uh, simple mechanical principles that are easy to validate physically almost conclusively unless you're going to take a an extreme skepticism position. So I say that that's definitely disanalogous and I'm still struggling to we'll have to disagree on on that well we don't want to turn it into a flat earth debate different different topic (laughs) for sure usually when I debate I like things to follow from something fundamental and that's why I use panpsychist approach so everything is a consciousness effect so the ghost stuff to me I, do, I haven't looked at all the cases. I'm not close to the possibility. I think it's very unlikely that it could be validated to be what it is people are thinking that it is because of stuff like ghost stories and all that. Well, Jen, I would ask you just to kind of see where we do have a little bit of common ground in the debate. Um, would you agree that non-local perception is a thing? Definitely. Perception is actually the process of localization. So depending on your definition, you know, are we able to perceive things that are outside of our immediate um, perceivable surroundings? Yeah. Okay. Um, the surroundings don't exist unless we perceive them. Well, I understand that. I guess what I'm getting at is astral projection. Let me get just super specific with it. Do you think astral projection is a thing? There's no reason it would be precluded on a mechanical basis. What it entails, again, falls into the realm of, well, where is this supposed exchange of energy actually happening? Because we have this mind dependence problem. And if we're honest, we can't just sort of pretend it's not there. But yeah, sure, there's... What do you mean by the mind dependence problem? That we can never tell where the origin of an effect is, if it's a subjective thing or if it's object, if it's outside of us or inside of us, because we don't know essentially where to uh, model a boundary between ourselves and an externality. Fair enough. So um, that's uh, basically... I'm I'm not really sure how to tie this back because I kind of lost the thread of what we were talking about. Uh, can we just? Yeah, basically, what what I'm getting <laughs> at is that if we can agree, and um, it kind of went a little bit in a circle, um, but I think we do agree that non-local perception is a thing, meaning that some people um, are able to do certain mental exercises to where they can pull information that otherwise wouldn't be readily available to them. Locally. Are you with me so far? Right, exactly. It's not that the information doesn't exist. It's just that it doesn't exist to them locally. Like, let's say you have a man in a room, a man in a closed off room. If he has this ability, he will be able to basically meditate and pick up um, what's happening on the outside of the building, even though there's no windows. Sure. Um, That's that's allowable. But again, the burden of proof for any type of paranormal perception, the burden of proof is on the claimant. And that 
it's essentially my position and I still feel pretty comfortable with it. I don't see that this burden of proof is anywhere near being established. And the fact of the matter is quantum mechanically is that all information is rendered non-locally. So there's information on my screen and it gets rendered in this well, space. A, there it was doesn't exist until it's rendered. And the question is, is how far does rendering have to be uh, expanding to before it's considered non-local? And even that you're going to find where's the boundary before it's non-local. That's why I think your definition of ghost is maybe problematic because it sort of seems like you're equating it to just any non-standard conscious experience. Like I think you used an example of somebody knowing something happening outside of a wall uh, that was without actually directly perceiving it. Yeah, that's a super simplified version, but there are people who claim to have been able to see things clear across the country. Again, if you look into the CIA documents for it, um, which again, I can post the links for, I didn't bring them up because of all the technical issues, but um, this actually has been studied in depth. It is known that we can uh, perceive things for one reason or another outside of our body uh, as if um, all the information just exists everywhere and we can just kind of tap into it. So that's one way that you can look at it. Um, my worldview and uh, school of thought is kind of the opposite is that we go to it. <laughs> it exists and we can leave our body to go to it. And if for people who have astral projected, this is an obvious, very, very obvious fact. Um, it's not something that we can chalk up to as just a figment of the mind simply because we're actually able to pull very real tangible information that is not readily available. And my point is very, very simple. If, we can exist outside of our body, which is what astral projection is, then that is what a ghost is. And that's as simple as that. Whether your body is alive or dead means absolutely no difference. You can try to say, well, because the body's dead, that means that that effect is no longer possible. And unfortunately, you've never verified that. Um, this is something that, again, most people do, not the astral projection, the spirits everybody, not everybody, most people do experience some form of spiritual phenomena. A lot of people experience a very direct, uh, unexplainable phenomena with humanoids, um, sometimes people that they know. And again, you can try to say that it's mass hysteria, but there is physical photographic and video evidence. And then basically your only rebuttal would have to be nah, -uh, without actually presenting evidence that you know, this stuff is actually fake. What evidence uh, would falsify those, that evidence that was presented? The technique revealed of how they faked it. Well, that's presuming a very unrealistic burden of evidence. I don't see how anyone could ever do that. You could at best speculate or so. Such types of speculation would likely be uh, perceived as irresponsible as there's no basis for the claim, which is if the same argument. It's the same argument against the ghost in the first place. There's no basis for the claim. We're not talking anything near science because science was sort of the presupposition of a reasonable inquiry into a model is that there's some type of meta and analytical aggregate is a long-term pattern that can be established to have some type of bearing. We don't know what it is. So just come back to what we're talking about with physical things and measuring them in space and what you're talking about astral projection and what that even means. 
coming back to this mind problem, it's not as hard as it sounds, but you got to think about it as space is not actually the cause of anything. So if you're thinking of things as happening in space, then you've misunderstood the causal emergence structure because space is actually doesn't have causal powers. Neither is time. It's a very common misconception. Obviously feels like time is something that is flowing and therefore shaping something by its flow. And that's where, again, this ontology of space measurement necessity precludes us really pointing to what is even being said. What's the claim now? So it started with, well, there's evidence for ghosts, and now it's you have to disprove this incredibly, this set of different claims that individually the claims are weak. A bunch of weak claims establishes something, but it doesn't establish what it doesn't establish the weak claim. It establishes more likely some there is some reasonable motive to make this weak claim that isn't the weak claim itself. The problem that I find is that is that with this particular subject, it seems to be a continuous cycle of not us, unfortunately, because the way that it starts off is is that people report experiencing a thing. Um, then people say, okay evidence of said thing people start coming forward with photos and videos then oh well those photos and videos are fake or messed up and then we go from okay well we also have this equipment that seems to detect in haunted places mind you now there is things that we know that can set them off but those uh, variables are limited and so now we're bringing in this other measuring uh, devices to measure dips in temperature, electromagnetic fields, um, and the like. And we're still picking up things as we expected. But now it's, oh, well, that has to be some other cause. I am pretty sure that you would have to have a ghost slap you in the face <laughs> for you to be like, okay, ghosts are probably real. Um, but again, I completely concede uh, the idea that the ghosts themselves is something that is measurable um, and scientifically, meaning taking a variable, isolating the phenomena, and adjusting the variable to figure out the cause of it. Uh, at this point in time, I have to concede. I don't think there's any way that we could do that with spirits. However, one thing that we have done that with is non-local perception and astral projection. The only thing that we have not done is tested basically somebody's consciousness um, as they died and had a way to actually communicate with that person after they had passed on. That's basically the one level of test that we haven't been able to do, but all the other pieces of the puzzle are there. Well, actually, we still have to overcome the hurdle of the materialist ontology because there's a presupposition that consciousness comes from the brain and essentially doesn't have any tangible existence outside of the brain. So it's like so this magical brain where these waves of consciousness are popping out of in space when actually that's not how it's happening because space is the thing that's rendered during the observation process. So there's this non-understanding of the interference problem or the measurement problem that is even if we get better even if we get really really good recording equipment it's not calibrated to observe because it's not calibrated to observe what would validate a ghost because we don't have a 
definition of consciousness that's accurate. So I think that's where we need to start if we want to go on potentially validating something like ghosts, but I'm still going to be skeptical. Like even if this advanced machine that is right, is panpsych is ghost detecting machine and we're out there ghostbusters with a box in five years, like I'll still be the skeptical one, but I'll, I'm open to the, to doing the experiment. Very uh, much appreciate the conversation. Absolutely. I love the skeptic position. It's always so easy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. I think as this might be an opportunity. We did put a poll in the chat asking people what sub subtopics they would most enjoy hearing you guys talk about. The most requested one was as one of those videos, for example, had a ghost that pushed people against the wall and then pulled the sheet off of the bed. Is The question is, if no mass, if the ghosts don't have mass, how could they touch stuff? I think this was kind of touched on earlier, no pun intended, but I want to give you a chance to talk on that if you'd like to clarify any more on how if ghosts don't have mass, they can interact with physical objects. Was that for me? Yes. Yeah. So I actually, again, I'm not claiming the, uh, whether the ghosts had mass or not. I think that they do have, uh, actually, I don't even think I said anything about their mass. I was saying that there is physical evidence of them and the physical evidence you're absolutely right would be the idea that they can touch things, move things, push things, pull things. Um, that is the physical evidence that I'm talking about. It's kind of like the wind, you know, the wind is something that is real. It exists. Um, we feel the effects from it, but you can't see it. You got it. You're welcome to add anything on that in terms of if you guys want to talk about it for a few minutes, any thoughts, Jen? Well, I'm, I'm not too sure. Otherwise, we can jump into this next one. That. The other topics that were most requested in terms of the subtopics that we pulled the chat on were why would ghosts in particular haunt houses? In other words, like why isn't it people per se, like people that were important to them in their lives? Why wouldn't they kind of haunt or follow them around? What's the attachment to houses that's so common rather than other objects or people or things? I'm glad you asked that. So the reason why people believe that that is the case is because there actually is a profit motive. It's one of the huge hurdles that I had to overcome um, on my side of the debate is that people do utilize um, this sort of stuff for profit. And therefore, some things do, do get faked. Um, and more importantly, uh, tourist sites get created so that revenue can be generated. So everybody always hears about the haunted houses because it's good marketing. Um, they actually pay people who uh, know how to put this stuff out there to get attention. And so people learn about it. But when you actually look into the anecdotal evidence and people's personal experience, you'll actually see that um, most people that I know that have been haunted is not with just a single house. It's actually something that does follow them. Um, but I think that it all has to do with will and strong emotion. Um, a lot of people on my side of the aisle do miss the idea of will, but when you do study, um, remote viewing and astral projection, you realize that that's a huge part of it. If you don't want to do something, uh, or if you want to do something badly, um, that influences a whole lot of stuff. And so when you have these spirits, um, per se, 
the reason why I think they're attached to certain areas is because they have a very strong emotional attachment. And so sometimes, yes, uh, they do haunt people. You got it. Thanks. That's actually really interesting as well as the rest. But Jen, if you have any thoughts on that, I want to give you a chance. Otherwise we'll jump to the next question. Well, if I'm going to steel man the position here, of why, uh, if ghosts exist, why it would, why might they haunt a house is possibly same reason we live in houses and then a traumatic event happens. There's some shock. There's an inability to resolve the shock and move past it, which includes this believing oneself to be in a house, which apparently if they're, uh, the ghost hunters are to be believed actually does have some bearing in reality, which I'm still skeptical about. Interesting. Okay. Just to add to that, so if I understand, right, understand you right, you're saying, well, the home is the place that you'd spend the most time at, probably probably the most likely place to have traumatic experiences, especially a traumatic death, whether it be like domestic violence or whatever else, accidents, whatever else it might be. And so, okay, really interesting. This one coming in. Oh, thanks, Sour, Sunflower, thanks for your super chat. want to remind you folks, I pinned it in the chat earlier, but it probably already disappeared, is that 100% of the super chats are going to Worldwide Orphans tonight. So if you happen to put in a question, you don't have to put it in as a super chat. You can just tag me at Modern Day Debate in the live chat. But if you want, you can put it in a super chat. That will be read first. And like I said, 100% of those super chats will be going to that cause. We'll put the link, or I should say the receipt for that donation on the YouTube social page as we want to be as transparent as possible with those donations or these charity drives. But with that, we're going to jump into this next question. This one was, are ghosts demonic? This was the third most requested subtopic to hear you guys weigh in on. Or whether or not that would, in case, in Jen, your case, whether or not you think that could be coherent, like if you wanted to steal try to steel man it but go ahead first troubling tribune yeah sure thing um i personally don't subscribe um you know fully to the idea that um these spirits that we encounter are you know evil or demonic um i tend to think that a lot of that is is actually propaganda to get us to um not try to figure them out you know people tend to stay away and and be fearful of things that they don't understand um, and so I think that's where a lot of that comes from. But I don't think that um, I don't think that spirits are demonic. Yeah, it appears to be a different class of question. Demon, if that's associated with the devil, then the devil's kind of on par with God, whereas ghosts would appear to be on par with humans. I don't know if that's a fair description of the question or if I'm misrepresenting it. Sorry, but interesting question. You got it. And. Last one of these subtopics that we requested or polled in the audience to see if people had any interest. Why would ghosts have sexual interests? In particular, I think it is referring to like a succubus, the idea of what's the other word, but uh, incubus, whether or not there are ghosts that have sexual intentions for humans. Yeah, or if you even believe in that troubling tribune, because maybe you, I know that you don't necessarily have to adhere to every type of ghost that there possibly is what do you think right right um, that's actually a very interesting question um it does presuppose I, I feel like with the when we're talking about succubi and things like that that it does kind of presuppose some evil intent or some demonic intent um but i actually don't know very many stories um, or instances of this being a thing but 
Uh, if it is a thing, I would again point to the fact that spirits um, would most likely be a result of will and strong emotion carried over after the passing of the body, um, which just to kind of touch on that for a split second, I think that we all become ghosts, but I think that not everybody is a conscious ghost, if that makes any sense. Um, so anyway, uh, so yeah, I think a spirit that would have like sexual desires or something like that would probably be the result of, um, you know, strong relationships in life. Um, maybe they were, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe they were a nymphomaniac or something like that. You got it. Jen? Yeah. If all it is, is talking about, uh, if all it is, is if the burden of evidence is sort of unclear, what we're even talking about when we say ghosts here, but if the burden of evidence is so low that we're just saying it's any kind of non-local consciousness, well, I don't think that's too hard to establish. You got it. And we want to give you guys any closing thoughts before we jump into the Q&A. Any topics as well that we maybe didn't touch on that you'd like to discuss. One as a possible example, like poltergeist. That's an interesting idea. Do I understand right? This has been a long time since I've read any of these terms, but I did about a year ago. We had a ghost hunter on, and I read some of these terms just because he asked if I would be familiar. Do I understand that a poltergeist isn't necessarily constrained, as you mentioned, for example, to like a home that a poltergeist might be where it's following people? But remind me, let me know what poltergeist means. Um, I think most people, when they mean poltergeist, they mean an extremely active and violent spirit. And uh, I think that's a pretty accurate description. Um, sometimes, again, I think sometimes they haunt people. Sometimes they haunt uh, homes. Um, kind of like Jen pointed out earlier and you that, uh, yeah, the home is the most likely place where you're going to be you know, spending a lot of time, having traumatic events and things like that happen. And not to mention – you got a lot of stuff at your house to mess up. So if you got a, if you got a spirit that's trying to mess with you, um, it's probably going to mess uh, with your stuff, uh, which you probably have at your house. Um, but I know the next question probably is, well, you know, Skylar, I thought you said that, you know, you didn't believe that the spirits were evil. And I don't. I think that they're uh, misunderstood or possibly going through some stuff. So poltergeist, um, although a disgruntled spirit, I don't necessarily think is evil. You got it. Yeah, I just I just want to hop in real quick. I don't have any opinion about the poltergeist, but the question I sort of spaced out on before is would why would ghosts be sexual? The same reason humans are sexual. So that's all I wanted to throw in on that. Thanks. You got it. Any additional points from either of you before the Q and A? Any closing thoughts as we draw together the threads from the discussion? Um, well, I guess I'll go first on that. Um, I didn't, it is kind of a bummer that I didn't get to present all the evidence. I'm going to be working really hard over the next couple of weeks to revamp all my equipment here. Um, again, most of my stuff I do is on TikTok, So I do almost everything on my cell phone. Um, but I appreciate everybody having me on, um, some of the physical evidences that I thought were really good that I didn't get the chance to present was actually, uh, they, one of the ghost hunters actually had a chalice that they didn't even mean to film on their way out the door and it was uh, lit on fire mysteriously, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so don't think that evidence has to be limited um, to just like pushing and pulling certain things. Um, the way that I see it is that pretty much anything a human could do, uh, they could do. 
which also brings me to my final point on um, I know that a lot was talked about about the you know burden of evidence and how because these things happen in different ways and different accounts that that means they're all effectively very very weak but I would just like to say that if we were um, you know comparing something similar you know if we had like a super duper rare animal that you know is very very hard to find and we only have a few accounts of um, you know, in a few mysterious videos of people who happen to be in the right place at the right time, it would still be fallacious to say that that animal doesn't exist just because um, you personally have not had an experience with it. And finally, not everything can be measured scientifically. You got it. The time. Any thoughts, Jen? Yeah, thanks a lot for the opportunity to be part of this conversation. It's great to talk to a fellow skeptic and open-minded person about a topic that apparently a lot of people are interested in. And as uh, regards to the conversation, I think it was some interesting points were made. Maybe uh, I saw some complaints in the chat that neither of us brought any evidence. It's unclear to me what type of evidence would, you know, I'd basically be stuck debunking uh, ghost videos. So that's a bit of a, shift a burden of proof shifting fallacy i think i think i was able to establish that empirically evidence is not going to be obtainable for ghosts even if they are real in some sense even if these accounts aren't all just fabricated evidence then even in spite of that our own materialist presuppositions culturally would preclude the evidence we generate which is basically incidental, you know, no offense to the ghost hunters, uh, would preclude that evidence itself then come meeting a, an empirical standard. So kind of a live by the empirical standard, die by the empirical standard thing. Uh, it works until it doesn't. And conversations like this are a great way to push a conversation forward, maybe see firsthand the flexibility and utility of a system like panpsychism where, you know, at first you start out with, well, what are you trying to say that uh, rocks are conscious and electrons have feelings, but at the end, actually, well, it's very strict system of reasoning that comes out of non-dualism and yeah, there are conscious effects, but they're perfectly reasonable, just as reasonable as argument, the argument that consciousness manifests as a thermodynamic process. So, Really appreciate everybody listening to my points and to Troubling Tribune. Or thank you so much for being my debate partner and James and the channel. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the Q&A. 100%. And with that, we're going to jump into the Q&A. Indeed, want to say I'm also glad that we stuck with that. I was worried we we're going to lose this debate. At first, I was like, oh, man, this thing is sunk. So thank you for your patience and sticking with us, Troubling Tribune, as we really do appreciate it. I know that I asked you beforehand if you could use your computer as it basically, in other words, to use those files. And so thank you very much for bearing with. And thanks for your patience with me, as I know that I probably looked a little bit irritated. I'm sorry about that. So thank you for being a good sport and thank you for being with us. As I mentioned, folks, 100% of the Super Chats are going to Worldwide Orphans tonight. So you don't have to put in a Super Chat to put it in a question, but you're certainly welcome to and it's going to a good cause helping orphans around the world. This one coming in from GA. Thanks for your support. GA says... 
Too Troubling Tribune, why are there no methods to re repeatedly and physically detect paranormal phenomena, and why is it not accepted as scientific? That's a great question. Um, I actually think that Jen kind of nailed it right on the head when it comes to um, the empiricism of it, because we do have to narrow down a very specific definition without narrowing down uh, the specific definition and having all these things that it can be. Um, it becomes increasingly more difficult to provide empirical evidence. Um, and again, the definition of empirical evidence, I believe, means that it has to meet like the scientific burden. And uh, again, if we're just being honest, who expects somebody to catch a ghost and start doing tests on it to prove that they exist scientifically? Like, we just got to get reasonable. Um, that's why I always bring up the point that science is not always the best way to you know, prove things. It's great for proving a lot of things. And ideally, if you can get scientific evidence, of course, that's the strongest form. But just because there is an absence of it does not mean um, that the object in question or the thing in question doesn't exist. You got it. Thank you very much. And this one coming in from do appreciate your question. DQ says for Troubling Tribune, how do you distinguish between a psychoactive idealism versus the idea that ghosts are external to minds perceiving slash conceiving of them? Ah, so in, my, in other words, do they exist whether we think about them or not. Um, it's kind of hard to answer without a little bit of clarification on the question. You might have it. Your guess is as good as mine because I've never thought of idealism in the context of ghosts. I can see how it's it's not like it's contradictory or anything. So I get that DQ is asking a coherent question. I'm still just wrapping my mind in terms of the idealism of usually idealism. Like the form I'm familiar with is as an example, if let's say under a, some theist versions of idealism might be that God's mind is reality and we're all just like parts of God's mind, like within God's mind. Uh, so I'm trying to think of it. How do you distinguish between a psychoactive idealism? Uh, namely that maybe ghosts are something like within our minds in an idealistic version, the same way versus the idea that they're external to minds. Well, if you, um, the fact that multiple different observers can observe them, I would say would be the answer to that. Um, if it was something that was just in like the individual mind, then it would be just that one person would see the spirit and nobody else would. But the fact is, is that we have evidence of them manifesting, you know, physically that multiple people can verify. You got it. And this one coming in from, I want to ask this question, two seconds, loading these up. Iron Charioteer asks, is it possible to astral project as a religion, religious person, or is that considered demonic? Is that for me? Uh, it was for troubling, but you're both welcome to answer. I've been talking. Jen, I'll let you go first if you want. Yeah, it's. I would say any type of non-local consciousness is not something that should be aspired to it's should be something that eventually when it does happen that one doesn't resist it if it's a necessary process and i guess i don't see why astral projecting would ever be necessary 
So I wouldn't call it demonic. I would just say, I would discourage people from doing it for your own self-interest that there's no, the benefit, whatever it may be, doesn't outweigh the risk. I would take the exact opposite approach of that and say that I personally believe that everybody should uh, be attempting to astral project and to master that uh, mental muscle, if you will. And the reason why I think that um, first, the actual question that you asked, is it demonic? I don't personally believe that it's demonic, but if you are a Christian, I do believe there may be some passages against it. So um, if you don't want to step on your faith, always do your own research, <laughs> you know, read your own book and see what it says about it. Um, but I don't personally believe that it's something evil or demonic. In fact, I do believe it has a ton of utility if it can be mastered. Um, you, there are reports of people being able to live basically an entire second life while they go to sleep, um, on, uh, astral projection and lucid dreaming. And the difference in those, of course, would be that astral projection is just outside of the body. Lucid dreaming is just a dream that you created for yourself and you control. Um, you can ask questions like, well, how do you know the astral projection isn't just a lucid dream? And to which I would say, make sure you're paying attention to your surroundings, try to pull information. Um, and then when you wake up, compare the information, because you'll find that if you're dreaming, the information never lines up. But if you're astral projecting, then the information can line up and you can realize that you went somewhere, experienced something um, while you were, for all intents and purposes, asleep. Um, I also believe that, again, with my belief on spirits as they are, I believe that the spirits are those who have, at least on some level, have awareness of themselves to be able to carry on um, consciousness after death, if you will. Because I say that because if you do lucid dream or astral project, uh, staying conscious is actually pretty difficult. It's very, very easy to just kind of slip away and uh, become unconscious <laughs> until you wake up. Um, so I do believe that when people die, um, a lot of people do that. They're just unconscious and they just kind of slip away back into wherever it is that we go. Um, but for those of us who are really, really conscious or paying attention or perhaps had something very traumatic happen, you know, where you would be paying very, very close attention, adrenaline is very, very high. Um, I think that that is uh, the conditions of which you can transcend your body, if you will. And I don't think there's anything demonic about that. You got it. This one coming in from, do appreciate it. Other super chat from Coffee Mom says, hi, what is a soul? Where is the soul in our body? I think that's for you, Troubling Tribune. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's a specific center where the soul resides, but if I know that some ideas that we have on it are uh, the chakra centers. Um, if you look into Buddhism and Hinduism, you'll see that uh, we actually, they believe that the soul is broken up into uh, different parts of the ego, if you will, um, safety, um, will, love, all that kind of stuff. Um, so not to get too technical with it, um, I don't know where the soul resides. I don't know if anybody knows where the soul can resides. I, can I try to answer? Go for it. I don't define a soul in my system because I just don't want to have arguments about that. But I know people talk about souls, so I could just say, like, what is it? It's an entity undergoing evolution that animates the body that is fundamentally, its presence is fundamentally an entangled photon waveform. That means it's made of light, but it wouldn't be 
existing in that form without the containment of the body. So it's light plus body. And that's what people generally refer to as a soul. So if there's, what was the question specifically about a soul? Or They also asked where it would be, where in the body. Where would it be inside the soul? So the soul is the animating potential of the body. The body's fully inside the soul. And then the soul would have an energetic maximum somewhere around, for most people, around the brain. And that's where, you know, God, where nature put it. So that's why trying to force yourself to non-local consciousness in some way is like us, not not quite God's plan for us, but it does sometimes happen. So it's a bit complicated. But uh, anyway, please be careful. And that's what I would say a soul is. You got it. Dark Matter and Battle Rap. Thanks for your super chat set. Enjoying this debate so far. Thumbs up. We also had somebody in the live chat say that they enjoyed this debate even more than the last one. This one from Sunflower says the act of observation. And by last one, I mean the, the last ghost debate in particular that we had about a year ago. So actually, I think we had one in like January. This one, Sunflower says the act of observation doesn't have quote unquote mass and yet it collapses wave functions and thus affects the physical world. You don't need mass to affect the physical world. Never did. Thanks for that. Any thoughts, either of you? I think that's, uh, I don't know too much about the quantum side of stuff, but that sounds pretty accurate to me. You got it. Jen? The question is, do you don't need mass to have physical effects? Roughly speaking, I think they're well, saying. If all, I think if all saying you're saying you is, yeah, I mean, to, to to steel man that you could say, well, light is like everything that happens is mediated by light. Everything is mediations. Light is massless. Therefore, the thing that is causing all the changes is itself massless. You could argue that, but uh, panpsychism. If you take that approach alone, panpsychism becomes trivial, which is not too exciting. So it actually does mean something that mass is connected to consciousness because it's what allows for consciousness to be bound to a very tiny geometric area, relatively speaking. And in the process, get all of this compounded complexity. Hopefully that helps clear it up. You got it. Thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from Hillside. Thanks for your donation to Worldwide Orphans. Appreciate that. I didn't see a question attached. If you want to ask a question, let me know, and we can ask it for you. This one from Arcade Outpost says, No comment on the debate, but listen to the album Haunted by the artist Poe. It's the most underrated album of the early 2000s. Thank you for letting us know about that. I actually love early 2000s music, so I actually will check that out. And Jupiter Darman says, if I were a ghost, I would be flying around Jupiter and checking out black holes in the galaxy and stuff like that. Why do ghosts waste time yanking bedsheets and stuff like that? I think they're maybe alluding back to that video. We'll give you a chance to respond. Sure. Um, so... And again, we're dealing in the land of Wu, right? So we're going to go ahead and admit that up front. <laughs> There's no way to actually test this. But my theory is that it's a lot like a, a psychedelic trip that's gone very, very wrong. Um, that's why I say the spirits aren't evil that are you know, messing with people like that. I think they're stuck in a state of mind and a thought loop. And I think that uh, being in that thought loop for some time you know, can make 
make you violent. Um, so as someone who has experimented, um, and by the way, I will preface this again by saying don't do drugs. <laughs> uh, definitely don't do any illegal drugs, but I have experimented with the psychedelics and the mind uh, can definitely do some pretty crazy things. And uh, I have myself been caught in thought loops for hours. So um, it's not a stretch for me to think that uh, in a state where I'd be in a sleep state, um, where conscious is much more malleable and fleeting, um, that I could get caught um, or that something can get caught in a negative thought loop. So I think that they just aren't aware that there's other things that they can do. You got it. Thoughts, Jen? I don't have anything to contribute to that. You Thanks. got it. And this one coming in from, do appreciate your question. Thunderstorm says, I believe the supernatural is real from experience. Most people have an experience. Hope these few coins help the cause and help someone. Thanks for your support. Any thoughts regarding that in terms of the, I believe the supernatural is real from experience. Yeah, Jen, that's like the major. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> You're fine. I was like, yeah, that's a, that's like the major, a, a major point of evidence is that most people do experience something on the paranormal, um, on the paranormal level. And thank you so much for helping the cause. Really appreciate it. Jen, what do you think? Can any of these experiences count? Well, if you accept personal experience or some type of aggregate of personal experience, i.e. a bunch of personal experiences about the same thing, well, sure, it can count, but according to our current modern understanding of what evidence of ghosts would require, a simple personal experience, as far as I understand, has no way to rise to a scientific standard, essentially, because it's subjective, thereby precluding it from being objective, which is necessary for science. Now, if I've made a mistake in reasoning, please correct me. I'm, I'm always open to that. You've got to thank you very much for this question coming in from. Do appreciate it. Arcade Outpost. Oh, we got that one. This one coming in from Blade Runner 0001 says, Troubling Tribune, what ghost movie do you think is the most accurate depiction of genuine ghost phenomena? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, I'm honestly terrible with names. That's a bad question to ask because I know the movies, but I don't know the names of the movies. Um, so I'm going to have to take a pass on that. Sorry. Ask me another time. You got it. Was paranormal activity, was that ghosts or was that demonic? Or That was, uh, I think that was, uh, they said it was a poltergeist. So some would consider it demonic. Um, again, I don't, but yeah, I think that was actually a pretty decent movie. That was pretty scary too. Gotcha. And this one coming in from, do appreciate it, AU Studio says, Pepper's Ghost Illusion created holograms since 1862. Do you know what they were referring to, Troubling Tribune? Um, I believe that I heard something about it, but again, I just go back to the point of even though some are faked, um, because there is a profit motive, it doesn't mean that all of them are faked. So just leave it at that. You got it, and this one coming in from Coffee Mom says, If it's not unreasonable to expect proof, why is it unreasonable to not believe in it? 
why is it not unreasonable to not believe in it? Yes. Um, I'm trying to figure that out. Not unreasonable. Uh, let me put that one to... more time. Uh, yeah, I'm having trouble understanding that question as well. If it's not unreasonable to expect proof, why is it unreasonable to not believe in it? In other words, uh, if it's not unreasonable to expect proof, where it's kind of like, oh, hey, like, yeah, fair. You can expect truth, uh, expect proof. If if you would say that, then why is it unreasonable to not believe in the proof? I think they're saying, like, why isn't why is it unreasonable to not believe in the proof that you offer, troubling Tribune? Or maybe you would say that you know people could reasonably disagree and not believe in your proof. Or evidence. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's always room for dissent. You know, I'm definitely not running a militant ship over here. Uh, everybody is entitled to believe whatever they would like to believe. However, I personally find it fallacious to discount the hundreds of thousands of accounts um, of people who have experienced something like that. You got it, Jen. Oh, I don't want to deny their accounts either, and my system of understanding certainly has allowance for the validity of personal perception, but it wouldn't rise to this empirical standard, which is, I think, what we are all talking about when we're talking about evidence for ghosts. Thank you. You got it. Thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from Do Appreciate It. Chai Merrick says, why Ouija boards use all caps language and state ID? I don't know what that that's means. That's a weird one. <laughs> Is he trying means? to allude to some like legal jargon or something? Uh, maybe I know you have to be a certain age. Like talking about the straw man. You might have to be a certain age to buy a Ouija board. Could that be it? <laughs> really? Possibly. I, for some reason, have this. I'm, I'm not sure if it's a, an artifact or what, but I, for some reason, I have this memory that you had to be 14 to buy a Ouija board at some point. That's this funny. one from Samir Farsain. Thanks for your super chat. Says a heart arrives for late for surgery. The patient dies. Why is the transplant useless now if not that the, quote, soul left the body? Body is useless without a soul. Any thoughts, the two of you? Yes. Um, body is useless without soul. Soul is not useless without body, in my opinion. It's unclear what the question is asking, is the idea that if you, now once the person's dead, you can theoretically perform the surgery and they'll come back to life? If that's what the argument is, then there's such a thing as brain death. The brain has very high requirements for oxygen. This is not active circulation going on. It will be, I mean, even hypothetically, if the consciousness comes back, just impossible on a flesh level. You'd be I'm not a even sure. Tomato. Yeah, I'm not sure what the, I'm not, I hope that's actually answering the question, though. I'm not sure if I understood it. You got it. This one coming in from Cruz Vander Wark says, great debate, first ghost debate that I have ever seen. So glad you liked it, Cruz. 
and I couldn't agree more. Both of our guests are linked in the description. So if you'd like to hear more or watch more from their TikTok or YouTube, you certainly can by clicking on those links right now. What are you waiting for? You can open up a second tab and keep it waiting there for you, like a, a nice treat after this debate wraps up. Dark Matter and Battle Rap says, what do you think about archons, jinns, or demons? So jinns being demons in Islam. And says, and why are ghosts so heavily depicted as scary and malevolent? Yeah, that's actually a good point. Like, could, I mean, like, I know that, well, we'll give you a chance. Most yeah. of uh, Easiest answer to that, uh, to the last question you just asked, is propaganda. Um, I do believe there is a lot of heavy propaganda towards uh, the paranormal to keep us from wanting to understand it and engage with these things. Um, I think there's a good possibility that these things have knowledge and certain things that they can uh, be teaching us and possibly even vice versa. Um, so that's kind of to answer the last question. As far as like what I think of jinn, demons, and what all these other religions depict as these like really, really evil things. Um, again, I think they're just, if they are sincere, um, the people depicting these things, then I think that they are misunderstanding. Um, I think that your emotion towards these things actually bleeds into how they act towards you um, because we are dealing with things on a, a very energetic wavelength. So I would definitely watch how you feel in the presence of a spirit if you think one's around. You got it. Janet, least action, yeah, least action kind of implores us to consider the something along the lines of Occam's razor. So I would be looking at a psychological ruling out, let's say, impossibilities approach, i.e. what's what's kind of the simplest way to explain this type of concepts, archons, jinns, demons, they, to me, they all fit the profile of invented concepts, fundamentally invented in storytelling and used in storytelling to discourage behavior that was understood to be dangerous in some sense. You got it. This come coming in from Alpha Uno says, Jen, we haven't empirically proven gravity, observed only its effects. Does that mean that gravity doesn't exist? I think this is meant to be an analogy for ghosts. Well, we do have empirical evidence. Now we have to be careful with science. So we don't, we can't use science to prove things in and of itself. The strength slash weakness of science is that it can't prove, it can only disprove. But in terms of establishing the phenomenon of gravity, now that's not to say we have a transcendent perfect model of gravity, but just establishing it empirically as existing. Absolutely. You have tons of devices that could establish that gravity is a thing. And it's a question of what does it mean to interpret the thing that we're calling gravity? That's not empirical evidence. That's understanding something through a theoretical model. So we're talking about empirical evidence, which is our devices, which are calibrated with numbers and make measurements, can tell us on a considerable enough timeline, reasonable enough amount of data to believe that yeah it's always going to be functioning essentially the same way we've absolutely met that per burden with gravity not ghosts though but nice try i appreciate uh, the attempt you got it 
And we put a poll in the chat again. This one was, did you by chance hit that based and red-pilled like button? We had the highest, thank you very much, 48% says I did it, and I liked doing it. Get it? This one from, appreciate your question. S. Campbell says, how would Troubling Tribune falsify the existence of ghosts? In other words, is there anything that could falsify ghosts, or are they unfalsifiable? Nice. That's actually a, an excellent question. Um, so at this point, I actually would think that they're unfalsifiable, just to be completely fair. Um, and the reason why I would think that is because we can't pinpoint everything that these things can actually do um, or give a 100% strict definition that would limit um basically again limit what these things can do um so yeah i do think at this point they are unfalsifiable however i would again add that things that um are unfalsifiable um don't necessarily bad way of saying it things that aren't scientific again don't necessarily not exist and things that aren't falsifiable it's true aren't scientific but it doesn't mean that they aren't real UKPI, thanks for your question, says, if we don't know or can't prove ghosts, why assume that they're dead people? Uh, this might be going back to that idea of like whether or not it's some other type of being pretending to be a dead person. Or in some cases, if you just see an apparition, like what looks like a person, like maybe it's something like uh, maybe we're in a simulation and it's something kind of popping up. From the same, maybe it's even interdimensional. Uh, maybe you know, especially if people believe in a multiverse of millions of universes or an infinite amount of universes. It seems like if there's an infinite, it, it's actually guaranteed that some of some beings from another universe might visit us. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, I you know from the very beginning said that I wasn't going to give a you know, specific strict definition that would preclude um, or that would mean that spirits have to be only dead people. I think that spirits can be dead people. I think that there is evidence to suggest that and the fact that they look humanoid and the fact that they seem to inhabit places um, that have significant meaning to that person. Um, and the fact that, again, it's, it's widespread that, you know, just about every other person that you talk to on the street has had some sort of um, has had some sort of experience. Uh, so, uh, I'm sorry, what was the question again? Well, it's kind of like that. This is a Randon. Thanks for your question. Also asked this. It, it kind of reminds me of the old, uh, oh, what's the, I think it's called like the, the demons paradox. I can't remember. It's this idea that like, what if the, the God of Christianity, like some people might raise the objection of like, what if this God is actually just tricking you? Like, how could you know that it's actually benevolent and maybe in actuality, like if you became a Christian, it would punish you or something? How do you know that it's not the case? This person is asking, Randon says, then how can you be sure that ghosts are not demons pretending to be deceased people? I mean, I guess they could be. Yeah, you can't actually establish something like that. That's just part, that's just part of the mind dependence problem that people are dishonest to deny when they do. It doesn't actually change the question of, it doesn't actually matter where it comes from. It's, can we detect the effects reliably to a standard we can all agree is empirical? 
This one coming in from Iron Horse. We didn't actually answer the question, though, whether spirits are dead people. Uh, can I get a chance to answer sure. the question? Yeah. Uh, why are spirits often understood as dead people? Chalk that up to wishful thinking. We. Uh, this is a super skeptical position. I'm not saying this is 100% how I feel, but this is where you kind of have to start to make sure that you're as, un, as, as skeptical as possible is just to say, uh, it's all just wishful thinking. Can we attribute all of this to wishful thinking? No, but we have a reasonable basis that sure it's perfectly understandable that somebody would want to talk to a recently deceased uh, loved one and might deceive themselves into thinking they had some interaction with them, regardless of whether it's aliens, uh, dead people or demons LARPing as dead people or some other horrifying thing that is apropos for this month. Uh, thanks for giving me a chance to answer. You got it. This one coming in. Samir Farsane says, Jen, would you sleep alone in a known haunted house? Uh, for, sci for science? I might, yeah. I could definitely see myself doing like well, something like that. I wouldn't exclude it from the realm of possibility. Like, let's say, uh, so I live in Colorado, and I live in uh, about an hour away from... What's the old hotel in Colorado that is allegedly it's famous and it's they used footage of it coincidentally. I think it's just the outside that they used for the movie The Shining, but it's allegedly a genuinely haunted hotel, haunted hotel in uh, the uh, the Stanley Hotel. That's what it was is, you know, so people pay to stay at this hotel. You can still stay there. Would you stay if it was paid for? It sounds like you're saying, like, yeah, sure. I mean, for the sake of science, like, let me... Because nobody's died there. So I guess that's the thing is, like, you know... Because part of me, I'm even somewhat ghost skeptical, I'll be honest. Where I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Maybe there's something. But I... So I'm kind of, like, 50-50. And I'm kind of like, nah, I don't really want to... Like, <laughs> I don't care to mess around with it. I Even if it... Even if nobody's died there... Anyway, I'll let you guys answer. Jen, it sounds like you're saying for the sake of science, I would be willing. Absolutely. And uh, this one, even if, in. you know, even if something happened, that still wouldn't make me skeptical. That wouldn't change my position. Just saying, even if I myself perceive this ghost directly, wouldn't change. I would still be willing to come back on modern day debate and be skeptical about ghosts. Just saying. So thanks. Thank you. I so, would, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted a chance to uh, address that as well. Um, I would actually raise the stakes and say not only would I want to stay in a haunted place, um, I think I want to stay in the most haunted place because I want – I actually have no fear of these spirits whatsoever. I know a lot of people feel differently, but I don't at all. I'm very fascinated by them. Um, I feel like I've had conversations with them in my life and things like that. So I would absolutely love to go to the most haunted place and document the whole experience. Juicy. And Creep Fighter says, are ghost clothes also ghosts? I think they're saying, so like, is a ghost wearing a ghost or is it just, what's the deal? Are they, they're wearing clothes. I mean, why is that? probably just what they were wearing when they died it's just what they see themselves in again if a ghost is a you know manifestation of you know their mind and emotion after they passed you know why wouldn't they be wearing the clothes they died in you got it samir farsane says isn't schrodinger's cat taboo yet you believe it 
I don't know who that's for. Um, I, that- I mean, I think even Schrodinger himself thought that it was, I mean, I think for him, it was a, a joke. It's basically intended to illustrate the, that there was some intrinsic fallacy in how we were interpreting quantum mechanics. So I don't, I can't speak for troubling Tribune here, but I don't believe in Schrodinger's cat other than, apart from to say, I believe it's a horrifying metaphor. Thank you. You got it. I don't know the story. This one coming in from Iron Chariot or Iron Horse, uh, a.k.a. Flat Earth Ozzy says, uh, Troubling Tribune, can you help me to have a succubus arrive at my house tonight? What is that? Why, Iron Horse? This one coming in from Nasty Guy. All right. (laughs) I made that up. He didn't really ask that. But but we're going to go to the next one. Let me see here. I think that might be it. I want to let our guests out because we want to let them get Is it possible to share the link to my after show? Because I'm going to talk about this debate just a little bit on my channel. And anyone who wants to come by, I'll stream Yard's link and you can join and give your thoughts on ghosts. If anyone feels like talking a little bit, uh, welcome. And please subscribe to my channel. Thanks. Happy. I will. I will be happy to put that. I've already got your link, but I will also put the specific after show link in the description so people can find it more easily. This one from Dark Matter and Battle Raps says, question for Troubling Tribune. Are you on the path of the hero's journey? And if so, which stage of the hero's journey are you currently in right now? Nice. That's an excellent question. I would say that I am on the hero's journey. Um, I'm sure uh, people in my life will debate what part of it that I'm on, but I'd say right now I'm in the part where I've just finished learning some valuable skills of how to be in life, and now I'm out here starting to apply those skills and see what I can do with them. You got it. With that, we're going to jump into the post credit scene in just a moment, so stick around for that, folks. I will be back to let you know about upcoming debates, and then we'll wrap up shortly after that as Jen has that after show, which I'm going to put in the description box right now. So, folks, want to encourage you to check out our, ghost, our, our guest links. We appreciate them. Seriously, the guests are the lifeblood of the channel. And so with that, stick around, folks. I'll be back in just a moment. And one last thank you to Troubling Tribune and Jen. It's been a true pleasure. I'll be back in just a moment, folks. Stick around. Thanks for having us.
Whoa! My dear friends, I want to say thanks so much for being here. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to unscramble this right now in the old uh, OBS, you could say. Want to say a couple of things. In particular, if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, we host debates on science, religion, and politics. All sorts of debates, all the time. And that's all we host. We are a fully neutral channel. And what do I mean by that? Not only is it important to us to have moderate, you could say neutral, fair moderators, but also, our channel does not put out any content that argues for Christianity or atheism or the red pill or the black pill or politically left or politically right position. It is fully neutral in that if it's not a debate, we don't host it. We don't host interviews even with different speakers. We've told people, hey, you know, we'd love to have you, but we can't have you in an interview because we only host debates. That's it. It's a fully neutral debate platform. So I want to say thanks for all of your support of this platform. And thanks so much for your support of the cause tonight as we raise a good chunk of funds for Worldwide Orphans tonight. So I'm putting in my notes here, make donation and post receipt. So I will, ma I will post that receipt. Let me double check right now how much we had come in. And I will post that receipt in our YouTube social tab as we appreciate you guys partnering with us in those charity drives. That really means a lot for us. We want to make the world a better place. That's why we do at least one charity stream per month helping out, whether it be organizations like Worldwide Orphans, which we, for tonight's debate, sponsored in terms of raising funds for them. That helps orphans across the globe. So children who are without parents, tragically, this helps support those children. So thank you guys for all of your support. That's important to us is that we, as a YouTube channel, we want to say, hey, a lot of people talk about, for example, content creators. A lot of content creators talk about wanting to make the world a better place or, you know, wanting to do good or like that they even sometimes saying that they do good, whatever it is. And for us, we're saying, hey, we want to actually just do the action. Less chat, more actually doing it. And so for us, taking action by giving those funds to people who are best trained in those actual jobs or fields to be able to help people, whether it be orphans or people who might be suffering from certain diseases, whatever it might be, that's important to us. We wanna actually take action and do that. And that's why 100% of those Super Chats, including the 30% that YouTube takes, Modern Day Debate like fills in or supplements or replaces that 30%. That way, all of your Super Chat donation, if you put in $10, it's not just $7, it's $10 out of $10 that is going to that charity. And Modern Day Debate, for us, we're glad to give that 30% of whatever is raised. As for us, we want to put our, you know, put our chunk in as well and want to say thank you guys, though, for your support. It really does mean a lot. We appreciate you guys supporting the vision of this channel. Namely, we want to provide a neutral platform so that everybody has their chance to make their case on a level playing field. That's our vision. That's what we're determined to do. And YouTube deserves a better class of debate channel, and we're going to give it to them. That's why, as I said, we only host debates. There are no channels or videos on this channel where we come out and say, oh, man, that one side really screwed up. They looked really bad. No, 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 no. If it's truly neutral, we can't do that. So we don't say, oh, man, the atheist or, oh, man, the Christian or, oh, man, the politically left or politically right person really did bad. No, 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 no. We let you as the audience make up your minds as uh, – 
let's see. <clears throat> we let you make up your minds <laughs> uh, in terms of who won the debate. I, I'm laughing because Iron Charioteer, I'm, I'm dying here. This is I, Iron Horse said, I thought your sense of humor evaporated. That's true. I haven't done a, a joke like that in a while. Tinkle Twing or Tinkle Tink, thanks for coming by. I see you there in the old live chat. Where's Arnie One? Thanks for coming by. Says this was a great debate, even if it went off, uh, went a few places off track. Hey, yeah, it always explores widely, but yeah, I appreciate it. It was a great debate. I agree with you. And where's Arnie One? Says yes, Wesley Sierra. Thanks for coming by. Says LOL. And uh, but yeah, it's always fun to tease Iron Horse. What a world, says LOL. James smiled and cracked a great joke. Thank you. That's right. I smile once in a while. If I ever look like I'm angry or sad while a debate is going on, that's my like super focused face. So it's not that I'm angry or sad. It's just that I'm like, usually I'm really focused. Usually it's between one, trying to keep an eye on the live chat. Two, we have a Twitch chat, which I'm not very good at remembering. And three, trying to also look on screen to see, like, is everything good the way it's supposed to be? Like, is it the case that our speakers are able to be seen? Is their screen share able to be seen? And then I'm also trying to make sure that the topic of the debate is one that go, both guests have equal time and all that. So, like, I'm, I'm, like, very focused and in the zone. If I ever look like I'm, like, sad or angry, I, don't worry. I'm okay. I promise. But let's see. What a world says for that I hit like James. Thanks for that. I appreciate your su your support. Let's see. Iron Horse, you can't say that kind of weird stuff in the chat. Come on, not about. You can't talk about possessing people, and weird stuff like that. I've got to time you out for that. You know that. This one, American Virtual. Thanks for coming by. Says the hero's journey can be applied to basically anything and anyone. Juicy. And this one coming in from Jared A. Thanks for coming by, Jared A. I see you there. Thanks for your channel membership support, Jared. Seriously, it means more than you know. Sunflower, thanks for your channel membership support. If you didn't know, we do have channel memberships. We do have Patreon. Patreon's linked in the description. And channel memberships, of course, you can add on YouTube if you feel so inclined. As that helps us to put on big in-person debates. As we are striving to put on some big ones in the future. Fill up. Thanks for coming by. It says, eat a hero dose of magic mushrooms. It'll help. Well, thank you for that. Pato Patterson, thanks for coming by. Appreciate you dropping in as well as Kat. Thanks for coming by. I see you there in the old live chat. And S. Campbell, thanks for coming by. Trippy Liquids, thanks for dropping in. DQ, glad you're here. Dave Hill, good to see you again. Nikki, thanks for coming by. Dr. Tour Destroys Evolution, thanks for coming by. We're glad you were here. Cat, thanks for dropping in. Church of Entropy, I see you there in the live chat. Thanks for dropping in. Freedom Fighter, thanks for dropping in. We're glad you're here. Thanks for being with us. Jupiter Darman, thanks for your support of Modern Day Debate. Your channel membership, seriously, it means a lot. As well as Eminence Front, thanks for coming by. Devin Kane, glad you were here. Tim, thanks for dropping in. Good to see you. Hillary's emails and Daryl Frost, happy to have you here once again. I recognize both of you from the past. Largo Stefania says that this was a nice and civil one. Thanks, James. I pay that forward or that thanks forward to the speakers. They make these debates awesome. We appreciate them. Thanks, Mike says this is the best channel on YouTube, James. Thanks, Mike, for your support. That means a lot. We really do appreciate it. And Melody Kate, thanks for coming by, as well as Dylan Motes. Thanks for dropping in. And let's see here. JJ Hempre Hempcrete. 
Bear, thanks for coming in by. Glad you're here. I am Fried Chicken. Glad you're with us. As well as Theological Introspection says, Wow, James, that's awesome, bro. Keep up the work. Thanks for your support. Seriously, that means a lot. And then let's see here. Is is Iron Horse mad that he leave because I gave him a timeout? Iron Horse, you know I got to timeout some things. Douche Bagnarok, thanks for coming by. I see you there in the chat. Cat, we're glad you were here. No way. Thanks for dropping in. Christoph, good to have you back. As well as Alpha Uno, thanks for dropping in. I see you there in the old live chat. And Mike, thanks for dropping in. Good to have you with us. As well as S. Campbell says, I miss Stephen Steen. I know, so true. He's a nasty guy. I miss him too. Nate from New Zealand, thanks for coming by. Says, it's actually all invisible Bigfoot. Thanks for that input. And thanks for being with us. Pure Aussie Gold, thanks for coming by. Good to see you again. 33% done. Thanks for your channel membership support. Seriously, we really do appreciate that. And that way you can call people a soy boy in the old live chat. Let me do that to poor Iron Horse right now. I think he's mad. Iron Horse, Iron Horse, are you angry? Are you a, I'm going to put the word soy boy using the emoticon. I just put it, Iron Horse, I hope you have no hard feelings. I got it. You know, you get, you, there's some things that I've just got to, I got to time out. This one from, or thanks for coming by, Melody Kate says, is it too late? Well, fortunately, the debate did happen, so you can still rewatch it. But yes, you are. You did miss the live portion. LCFC, thanks for coming by. We are glad that you are here. As well as Jupiter Darman, thanks for your channel membership support. Seriously, that really does mean a lot. We appreciate that. And Tim, thanks for coming by. Tim says, thanks, James. MDD is always fun. Thanks for that, Tim. That seriously means a lot. But yeah, I've got to tell you, yeah, let me look peek on this right now in terms of how much we raised in terms of Super Chats. 121.97, so that's cool. 121.97 in Super Chats to donate to WWO. So that is encouraging. Thank you guys for your support of such a good cause. As hey, as you guys know, if you if your lives ever lack meaning, my friends, I have to tell you life is meaningful in so many ways is one way is that we take responsible responsibility for others try to look out for others who are suffering who have gone through harder things than us the world is a truly in in very real ways not always but in in very real ways broken and hurting place so there are good causes that could use you as a person who is doing good in the world as a way, in a small way, a hero trying to alleviate, alleviate that suffering because that, that seems like a heroic thing to do. So my dear friends, we appreciate all of your support of Modern Day Debate as we strive to provide donations for these good causes like Worldwide Orphans. So thanks for that as well as thanks so much for your last minute. Mel Melody Kate says, for the children, hope it is not too late to chip in. It's not too late, Melody. So I'll add that. 1999 plus 1999 let's see 99 from melody kate last minute super so yes we appreciate it my dear friends we are excited about this is that i will post that donation receipt and you can be rest assured that your what you put in as a super chat is actually going to that great cause. So we appreciate all of your guys' support seriously as we try to make the world a better place. Single mom, I see you there in the old live chat. Thanks for coming by. We're glad you're with us. As for us, that's something that 
transcends all of our beliefs or positions, namely, whether you be Christian, whether you be atheist, whether you be Muslim, you name it. All of us want to help those who are suffering, whether it be people who are, like, for example, orphans that are in need, or all of the other causes, like sometimes we do, we've donated to domestic violence action centers that are helping people recover from domestic violence. The world needs help. There are ways in which you can have a very important purpose, a very important responsibility in making the world better. And so your life does have meaning as the world is calling out and in desperate need of people that are willing to sacrifice for those causes. So thank you guys for all of your support, though, as we strive to make the world a better place and to provide a neutral platform that is fair so that everybody gets their shot to make their case on a level playing field. That's important to us. Those are our values. We want to make the world a better place, and we want to be a fair platform so that everybody has their fair shot. Those are our values, and we're sticking to them. And believe me, this is just the beginning of the story for Modern Day Debate. We are only getting started, my dear friends. We are absolutely pumped that Modern Day Debate has grown like it has. We, guys, we thank you guys. Seriously, we appreciate you guys so much. It's been fantastic and amazing that we have hit 80,000 subscribers. Last week, I put out a video saying thank you guys. But this is still just the beginning of our story as we continue to expand across YouTube and across the podcast world. So thank you guys for all of your support. We love you guys. Thank you guys. As we're excited about the future, we have big things to come. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. And we'll see you at the next debate as we have a number of them scheduled for this upcoming week. You don't want to miss them. Thank you guys. I hope you have a great rest of your night. And we'll see you at the next one. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. 
That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.